Welcome to the special edition of Voices Unheard podcast, where we interview Dr. Roberta Gebhardt and discuss her views on leadership as well as the many leadership roles she has held within medical organizations. We will delve into her roles at AMWA and the AMA and how she is working to cultivate cultural change in medicine. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I am accompanied by Dr. Roberta Gebhardt, and she has an amazing history of leadership within medicine. And so I would like her to take a couple seconds just to introduce herself. Dr. Gebhardt, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the leadership roles that uh, you have held. My name is Roberta Gebhardt. I'm a family practice physician. I'm married and have four adult children. I live in Grand Island, New York. I'm immediate past president of the American Medical Women's Association. So at the end of next month, I'll finish up my three-year term. So it's um, president-elect president and the immediate past president. Also on the American Medical Association Women Physician Section Governing Council, where there are eight physicians that represent more than 80,000 women physicians in the AMA. I'm also on the Times Up Healthcare Advisory Board as well as the PJE uh, Advisory Board. So these are our several organizations that are geared or focused at helping promote women in the realms of medicine. So today we're going to do something a little bit different and focus on leadership in medicine as it relates to women. And so from your point of view, how would you define leadership or how have you played that out in the roles that you have held here? For me, leadership is someone who is the head of the team. So my leadership position always feels like leader of a team. I don't feel that you can do leadership by yourself, but you need a group of people that are all working together and the larger the group and the, the, the better they work together, the more productive the team is. When you are leading groups of people, do you see yourself as the director of the ship, getting the ship sailing, or do you see yourself as setting a vision for where you're going or what you're doing? How do you see yourself in that position? A little of both. Um, I would describe my leadership uh, style as is pretty much a servant leader. All of my leadership skills I've actually learned through AMWA, the American Medical Women's Association. I might experience some um, when medical director in my office um, had taken three months off and I was covering for him. Basically, my style was so completely different than his. I was there in the morning before everyone got there. The coffee was made. If we worked through lunch, I ordered pizza. Every Everyone could see everything that I was doing and therefore they would get involved in doing things as well. And when he came back after three months, he said that, that I had been able to do more in three months than he'd been able to do as a medical director uh, in, in, in eight years. You know, just roll up your sleeves and work hard and bring others along and um, treat them with respect, which I think was really, really important to treat others with respect so that they respect you and help you to reach the goals that, that you have for your organization. I actually love that idea of servant leadership. That's a lot of how I structure my concepts of leadership too, is serving along the side of the people that you're leading and giving them a vision as you're doing that. What are the major thought leaders that have helped to shape this concept of leadership for you? Well, basically, you know, all of the, the AMO leaders um, together through the many different presidents. And one of our presidents just recently died and she was president in 1966. And I was just reading through her inauguration speech today. Everything is as much true then as it is right now. Now, which is interesting, you know, we're still, you know, working for our own rights and things um, for, you know, gender equity. Um, everything's the same. <laughs> we just keep working at it. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, Brene Brown has, has, 
you know, for other people as far as an author has been uh, instrumental in helping me to grow in my leadership skills as well as the, the AMO organization. Yeah, she has some great resources. I've looked into a lot of her resources as well. How do you feel like the structure of healthcare sets up doctors to be leaders? Do you think that we do a good job at training? Because doctors, by the essence of their position, become leaders. Do you think that we do a good job training them for that role in leadership? Not well enough because there are a fair amount of physicians out there that aren't really setting good examples. So there's still the bullying that's going on. There's still gender inequity. But I think overall, I think that, you know, women are women themselves do better with leadership in medicine. So I, th- I think the goal is to get there is to, is to be teach physicians to be good leaders. But I think that we're still falling short a bit. Yeah. Do you think there's a space within medicine for formal teaching in this arena? Training is very packed as it is. Do you think there is an opportunity for formal leadership training? Um, I think that that would be good or that's something you can, you know, take on the outside when, once you graduate or um, whether you have time to do something in the evening or, you know, do some reading on your own and those sorts of things. I think ideally it would be good if we could actually train our physicians to be leaders. But I think that we do the most in, in um training our leaders by setting an example. And I think by setting good examples and not bullying and um, treating people fairly, um, I think is the best way to, to train good physician leaders. We've already discussed a little bit of how you have seen this play out in your role in AMWA. During your tenure, AMWA, what has been some of your major accomplishments or some of the things that you look back on and say that you're the most proud of during your time leading that organization? Um, the two big things for me were increasing membership because that was one of my big goals. And, and during my three years, so during my president-elect president and past president year, we have, have doubled um, our, our um, membership. And I think that was a pretty lofty goal that we were able to obtain, and it's pretty exciting. And then the second one is um, the American Medical Women's Association is 105 years old this year, and we are the oldest women physician organization in the world. And 102 years ago, we started Medical Women's International, so every AMO member is also a member of MWIA. During my presidency, we hosted their centennial. We started them in New York City, so we hosted their centennial in New York City. It was an amazing meeting. Um, We had um, over 1,200 women physicians from more than 40 countries around the world. In New York City, Laurie Stein was our keynote speaker, one of our keynote speakers. The Times Up Healthcare team, you know, more than 20 physicians traveled in from around the country to accept the um, presidential award, which which they were given. So we had the Times Up Healthcare people there. That was just a great meeting and a great celebration of, of both AMWA and MWIA. So those are the two big achievements that I can think of. From my understanding, there is a subgroup within AMWA. Um, it's called the Women's Physicians Section of Governing Council. So that's a sub-organization. Is that correct? We're talking about two different organizations, the AMA Women Physician Section and the American Medical Women's Association. So the, the section in the American Medical Women's Association that I work most closely with is the Gender Equity Task Force, and I actually was the founder of it. And the AMA has a section called Women Physician Section. So there's a governing council, which is the leadership for the uh, Women Physician Section. And all women in, 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 all women in the AMA belong to the women physician section unless they choose not to. Can you explain how you've seen uh, your leadership style evolve in that role as well? It's a different organization completely with a much um, more complex hierarchy. I've really enjoyed participating in the governing council. I um, reach out a little bit more to men colleagues to get them to be he for she and to help us out in, in um, accomplishing what we need, which is um, fair and equitable workplace. 
So I think, you know, leadership wise, having a responsibility over, you know, our group has, you know, represents over 80,000 women physicians. So I think that, you know, it's, it's been pretty powerful. So the he for she movement, so getting men allies to come along women, how have you seen that as far as helping some of your efforts in the gender equity for women in medicine? For example, um, one of the things that we did um, as since I joined ANGME was um, we had a resolution passed for gender equity. It was amazing on how many men were standing up to, you know, to give testimony on it and to say how important it was in their lives to have, you know, women being supported equally. Sometimes it was their, their daughter they were talking about, sometimes it was their wife, and sometimes it was just their colleagues that they felt should be treated fairly and how they were just stepping up to support that. Um, we were able to um, get that resolution passed through the um, National American Medical Association and um, are working towards trying to get it passed on a state-by-state -state level. And uh, the, that initiative is called Revolution by Resolution that we're doing through AMWA has actually taken that on as, uh, as our charge to go state-by-state -state and get the same gender equity resolution passed in each state. And um, as a result of that, you know, when it's passed through the AMA, we get regular um, updates on how the AMA is, is doing with it. So they actually do studies and then report to us on how they've made a more equitable workplace for women in the AMA, including treating the women's staff fairly and paying them fairly. And we get regular updates on that, which is pretty powerful. Yeah, that is. So is that a self-reporting type system where they volunteer that or is there a follow-up type reporting system that comes along with that resolution? It's not. It, it is the organization itself that's doing it, but I trust that they're being honest about the work that they're doing. From my understanding, too, one of the major accomplishments of that initially passing through the AMA was that they committed to equal pay for equal work and my understanding is that the AMA took that step to be the leader and equalize women's pay within the organization. That's correct. Yeah, and that was a direct result of that resolution that you guys helped pass. Do you know how many states that have followed suit with that and have signed that resolution? I think we've got like seven or eight of them that have already passed it. And then we have different states and different um, levels of working on it. We've got some people that's just signed up to do their state. We've got people that have, you know, worked through the program or getting ready to submit it. We have people that have submitted it and um, it's been postponed, so they're still working on it. Um, so we've got other states other than the, I think, seven or eight that has already passed in that have varying levels of COVID has slowed it down a little bit with not meeting in person and, and meeting, uh, you know, passing resolutions that have the highest urgency. And, and of course, you know, that's not, I guess, the highest urgency over COVID and other things that we're working, that other states are working on. So, so it slowed it down a little bit, but we're still working on it and pushing towards improving it. As you have rolled this out, what have been some of the major challenges that you faced in trying to get these resolutions through the states? I'd like to back up just a little bit and, and tell you that there's a number of other individuals outside of you know, outside that have been helping us with this. So um, the idea originally came, the one that actually was passed through the AMA, um, came from um, Julie Silver, Mike Sinhan, a few other individuals. And the two of them, Mary Jane Englander, Kim Sedell, Eliza Chin and I put a, a, a video together talking about why gender equity is important and how to go about getting 
the resolution passed in your state. So I wanted to give um, honor to, to the people that worked on it because it's not my idea. Um, we were just kind of taking this, the stance of moving it forward in the other states. And challenges um, have been COVID. Getting people in the, the middle states are more difficult because people on the East Coast and West Coast are all in for it. But the, the middle, the, you know, the smaller states and the Midwest states have been difficult to get people engaged in, in trying to work on it. Um, and just you know, having the manpower because it is time consuming to, to do, but we're plugging along at it and, and making progress, just slow progress. <laughs> as far as your vision for that movement, where are you hoping that that takes things in regards to uh, gender equity in medicine? Um, I'm hoping it, it, it will raise awareness um, and, and actually make the case for gender equity because medical schools that are more equitable graduate better doctors. Um, both from you know gender perspective and race and other um, sexual orientation and things like that. So getting people to get on board and realize that it's really important that we all work really hard to improve our workplace and not only passing it, but then getting their individual state societies to go back like the AMA is doing and review their own inner workings of their organization and try and make it you know fair and equitable. And assuming that you know if the state society is fair and equitable, then they'll spread to the rest of the medical profession in that state. I had read somewhere, I thought that there was potential for some of these things to be moved into the policies of those individual states. So trying to make it go into the legislation with them as well. Definitely, that's a goal, but for sure. I mean, there's so much that needs to be done on a legislative level. Um, and so um, one of the things that AMWA does is actually we do lobbying um, a fair amount. We've lobbied on the health quite often um, for uh, gender equity and getting uh, the state societies to do that as well within the states is, is helpful. Just from this short interview, we can see that you kind of have your hand in a lot of different arenas working on this, on issues of gender equity from a lot of different perspectives with different organizations. One that we haven't talked about yet, um, I don't know if you want to take a couple minutes to talk about Time's Up Healthcare. You said that you're a part of the advisory board for that. And just how do you see that organization playing into the mix and working towards these things of gender equity? Time's Up Healthcare um, has a lot of power behind it with the Time's Up movement. So it's not just Time's Up Healthcare, but it's the whole Time's Up movement started with Michelle Williams and Oprah and, and uh, so we have a lot of depth there um, and the goal with Times of Healthcare is to make a, a fair equitable workplace for all women in medicine not just physicians so the nursing staff the aides the cleaning people the cafeteria people that you know that the women will have equal pay um, for equal work and we'll also have um, uh, equal opportunity for promotion, equal resources and, and you know things to support themselves. So um, it, it's, uh, it's been a, a great um, opportunity to work with them to improve our society's um, gender inequities. Just to kind of wrap things up, if you had to put a timestamp on life right now, where would you say we are at as a medical culture today and where do you hope to see us in 10 years? Today, um, we are nowhere near where I'd like to see us. There is a lot of inequity in this country, um, inequity, gender inequity, race inequity, sexual orientation inequity, and it would be very helpful to have, you know, 10 years from now, have this be a non-issue and that, you know, women will have every opportunity that men have to succeed in their careers um, and to do what it is they want to do. So if every woman does not want to be a CEO of an organization, they don't have to. But those that do should have equal opportunity to get there. They should have the support that they need from our organizations and from our society to um, be able to live their lives to the fullest. 
If you could focus on just one thing, the majority of our audience are normal everyday doctors. So getting up every day, going to work, doing their thing, coming home. If you could give them one piece of advice, what can they do to do their part in this arena? What would you recommend to them? Pay transparency is really important. Working in advocacy through your legislators, knowing your legislators um, is really important. Um, knowing the current laws that are up for um, passing and being able to lobby uh, your, your congressman or woman or your senator. So I think, you know, but pay transparency and negotiation skills are really important. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for giving us your ideas on leadership and walking us through leadership positions that you've held and uh, where you see things at today and where you see us going. And thank you for letting us be a part of this journey with you. And thank you for your time. Appreciate it. It's been an honor. Thank you very much.